Vav Cheshvan Taf Shin Ayin Zayin, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the great Pugi opens things up with Hora Heyachzut off of their uh, last concert album, live performance. Welcome one and all, welcome into the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten and you are tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. The Israeli clocks and the American clocks are now back in sync. We are here each and every Monday immediately following JM in the AM. 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time. And everything is, uh, now the world is at peace in the way it should be. Because for one week, we were only six hours difference. And uh, we're happy to have you along. A word to those who are not listening live or are listening um, before Tuesday night of Election Day. Tomorrow is Election Day in the United States of America. It is amazing to see how the Israeli news coverage of the American election, as important as America is to Israel, of course, the support and so forth, but it's like crazy 
probably also because it's such a crazy um, election cycle. But um, the anchors of all the news shows are here in America. They're broadcasting live from the United States. They're running to Florida, to Pennsylvania, to all to all the states that are um, that are important states for uh, the make or break states. I can't remember, of course, the term right now because my mind has uh, has blanked for a moment. But you know what I'm talking about. The states that are in contention, anyway. It is big news all over the world. And I just want to, um, not getting into any of this, i just sharing with you a letter that was written by Rav Moshe Feinstein, the great rabbinic posseic decisor of um, sort of, I guess, of the previous generation of uh, our generation passed away decades ago, about 30 years ago. This was written on October the 3rd, 1984. If anybody wants a copy of it, you're more than welcome. I will post a copy of it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show after the show, and you can get it from there as well. Rav Moshe writes, On reaching the shores of the United States, Jews found a safe haven. The rights guaranteed by the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights have allowed us the freedom to practice our religion without interference, and to live in this republic in safety. I'll just add that Rav Moshe understood the historic meaning of that, how we didn't have that for thousands of years, to be able to practice our religion and to live freely. Rav Moshe continues in this letter, a fundamental principle of Judaism is hakaras hatov, recognizing benefits afforded us and giving expression to our appreciation. Therefore... Listen, therefore, it is incumbent upon each Jewish citizen to participate in the democratic system which guards the freedoms we enjoy. The most fundamental responsibility incumbent on each individual is to register and to vote. Continues Rabbi Feinstein, Therefore, I urge all members of the Jewish community to fulfill their obligations by registering as soon as possible and by voting. By this, we can express our appreciation and contribute to to the continued security of our community. If um, If you care about the directives of the great rabbis, take heed. It is our obligation to vote. And that's all I'm going to say about the American elections at this point. Israel Israel was really out of it. Israel did not play a part in the debates and in the, in the election. You know, um, in previous, previous um, campaigns, Israel was more in the spotlight. I, I think with all the craziness of this campaign, there were so many other things that, that they were focusing on that Israel uh, was left out on some level. I don't know if it's good or if it's bad. But either way, that part of the equation was not very obvious. But what's most important, whoever you vote for, is to vote. And trust me, the politicos, the politicians, the government, they know who votes and who doesn't. They have records. Which block? You live on a block where a lot of Jews live? They know if that, how many people on that block voted. They know who voted. They know who voted. They don't know who you voted for, but they know if you voted. And if we don't vote as a community, if our turnout is low, and I understand from elected officials that unfortunately within some of the uh, Jewish communities, the turnout has been dwindling from year to year, going down, 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 down. If we don't come out there and vote, we, we, we will not be listened to. We will have no power in the halls of government. So it is important as a mitzvah, as Moshe Feinstein pointed out, is important also for us, for, for our own sake. It is also important to vote. Um, another piece of music, then we'll go on to the issue of the Balfour Declaration. 99 years ago last week, the Balfour Declaration. What is it? What was it? Why is it important to us? And why is the Palestinian Authority suing Britain over it? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
I believe this is a new song, Gad El Baz, Me'efola Hatchil. It was written by the great Yishai Rebo. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> That's where we start. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Well, before I get to uh, to other things, there's one piece of, uh, of open business from last week. I fell for the hoax. You know, I'm usually very good at not falling for hoaxes. <laughs> or hoax I. No, hoaxes. And... Um, I, I had read something about there being five weekends in October this year. It means five Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, and that it was it was so unusual. It happens only once every eight hundred twenty-three years, and blah blah blah. And I don't know. I just mentioned it in passing. I'm not really sure even what the context was. It wasn't a, a big deal. But then one of our listeners astutely commented on the app that it's not true. And so after the show, I went to um, Snopes, I think it's .com, where they um, take a look at different uh, rumors and see uh, are they hoaxes or urban myths or true. And in fact, it's not true. It's not true. It happens, it happens often. 
<laughs> the last time it happened that there were five weekends, five Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays in October was in 2011. And the next one is going to take place in 2022. So, you know, I I fell for that. And I thank the listener. I don't remember who it was. I apologize. I thank you so much for pointing it out to me. And now, now we've set the record on the calendar straight. And uh, don't plan... Don't wait 800 years to plan your big weekends, you know? Last week, November the 2nd, was the 99th anniversary of what so many of us just call the Balfour Declaration. Speak to people who are somewhat knowledgeable about the history of the land of Israel and modern Zionism, all you got to say is the Balfour Declaration. They know exactly what you're talking to about. What, what was it? Well, you have to understand that the Zionist movement, which began at the late 1800s, where people started moving to Eretz Israel from Russia and from other places in Eastern Europe, began farming, got support from the Rothschild, especially Baron, uh, I think it was Edmund Rothschild, the Baron Hayadu Hanoda. So many things are named after him in Israel. And um, he supported financially many, many of these little colonies, these little villages farming agricultural villages and helped the Jews there, many of whom had no idea how to farm, helped them financially, supported them, and uh, set up some form of uh, a system, if you will, a bureaucracy. And this began to grow and grow, and the Zionist movement was later established by Herzl in the late, late, late 1800s. And uh, by World War One, there are is a small but significant yeshuv in the land of Israel who consider themselves Zionists who would like to see the establishment of a Jewish state. World War One finds the Turks, the Turkish Empire, which controlled the land of Israel for hundreds of years, fighting together with others against Great Britain together with others. As as long as the Jews were under Turkish rule, it was hard to imagine that the Turks would ever agree to allow Jews to establish a sovereign state in the land of Israel. It, it was it was it was a crazy notion. But now suddenly there's a big worldwide conflagration where we don't know what's going to happen and if Britain, if Great Britain and the Allies end up conquering this part of the world, the Middle East, as they did, say the Jews who are living in the land of Israel, there is hope because maybe the British will be more open, more inviting more accepting of a concept of a Jewish state. So now imagine that the Jews and the Jewish history of thousands of years where we're just being dumped from one country to another, running throughout the Galut, and even where we are able to live, we have no freedoms, we're being hunted, we're being killed. Now imagine the feeling of the Jewish people as they return to the land of Israel and and begin to farm and the land shows it warmth. The land responds in kind by blossoming and blooming and producing, as the Gemara tells us. And now there's also political, the political arm, the, the, um, the movement that Herzl began tries to get the allies, by the way, they tried both. They tried everybody. Get them to make a declaration that says, after the war, if we win, we we will give this part of 
the Middle East, this little part that's Eretz Yisrael, which wasn't so little. The concept in those days when we talked of Palestine is what is today Israel, all of Israel, including what's the green line, so to speak, plus what is today Jordan. All that was considered um, Palestine or Eretz Yisrael. And tremendous efforts were made. Chaim Weizmann, a scientist, a Jewish scientist from Russia, who now worked in London and who was very, very important to the British for their... Um, he, he discovered... He was a chemist and he discovered certain uh, a certain compound which they needed very much and they were therefore indebted to him. But besides that, there were many in the British ruling class in the government and others that were Zionists. They were non-Jewish Zionists. They were Christian Zionists. They believed the Bible. They believed that the Jewish people should return to their land of Israel. And one of them was the foreign minister of Great Britain, Lord Balfour, Arthur Balfour. There was a lot of pressure and a lot of fighting and a lot of minutiae about the exact wording But at the end of the day, Great Britain, on November the 2nd, 1917, put out a statement saying that it was guarded, it was muted, but it basically said, yes, we'll support the concept. We'll play a song, we'll come back, we'll read the exact language, will tell you the response of the Jews in 1917, the leading rabbis and others, to this. And then we'll go on to try and understand why the Palestinian Authority now is deciding to sue, yes, Great Britain for that, ask for an apology, and what is the American policy regarding, yeah, the 99-year-old Balfour, Balfour Declaration. Uh, this is Chayecha uh, Lachayim, Smile on li- Upon Life. It's um, three Israeli singers. Uh, one was formerly in the Parvarim, the other is Hanan Yovel, Dorit Uveni. And um, they formed a new trio, and this is called Smile on Life, and it's really cool. It's a nice, uh, nice cut. We're debuting it here on The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Chayechel HaChayim, smile on life. Smile upon life. They call themselves Shloshtenu. Three uh, long-time Israeli singers who combined for that. With, that was a debut here. On the Israel Show, my name is Mayor Wangat, and you're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. So, just to summarize what we just said, the Balfour Declaration, as we sometimes use shorthand for, was a proclamation or a declaration by the foreign minister of the government of England giving some support to the Zionist movement, to the concept that the Jewish people should have a place of their own in the land of Israel. Now, here is the exact text. It's very short. It's written, first of all, to Lord Rothschild, not to the Zionist movement, which is interesting in and of itself. At the end, it is asked that he bring this to the attention, uh, to the knowledge of the Zionist uh, Federation. But this is the quote. His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. So let's start. First of all, this is being issued as a almost a private letter by Arthur Balfour, who was signed on it, to Lord Rothschild, just telling him, advising him, that the government of, of Great Britain, His Majesty's government, that's how they call it there, they don't obligate themselves. They don't promise anything. They don't say, we will do this or that. They view with favor. Boy, you talk about a powerful language, a a tepid language. They view with favor, and not a state either. They view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. And that also was a contentious point. What does a national home mean? Is it a viable state? Is it a sovereign state? Or is it just a place where Jews could live under somebody else's uh, um, sovereignty? And it continues, and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood, and here comes the but, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done in this in pursuit right in pursuit of this goal of having a jewish national homeland or home in palestine nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-jewish communities in palestine so that if anything that we're doing will end up hurting in any which way the civil and religious rights of the arabs clearly that's who they were referring to, then then we're not doing it. Or the rights and political status enjoyed by Jews in any other country. Meaning, if this is going to hurt Jews in other countries, then we can't do it either. Okay, so we have this rather tepid, but from the Jewish perspective, historic, amazing, groundbreaking, earth-shattering. The first time in history, one could say, that the nation, don't forget, Great Britain in those days was an empire that controlled at least half of the world. The great empire, the winner in the world war, ultimately, says, we recognize the fact that the Jewish people should have a home in what we call Eretz Israel, wow, it, it's it's hard for us to understand it, understand how amazing that was, what a joyous a moment in Jewish history it was, and how it really uplifted the people to greater heights to understanding that hey, this dream that we have, hey, it might be happening. You want to hear some of the reactions? Here's some of the reactions. Harav, Mayor Simcha HaKohen of Dvinsk. I don't know. Not not necessarily accused of, of being a Zionist. He wrote um, 
the Meshachachma, may be familiar with on Torah, and many in yeshiva learn his sefer, the Or Sameach. He writes, hazod in this century, Zarchu Kavei Or, light, rays of light have started, have, have shined. You, we start seeing them over the horizon. Al Yedeg Dolei HaMaas, Kamo Montefiori V'chayotze Be'ele, like Montefiori and others who've begun to do great things. They, they awaken, they have a great awakening to, to a Kesher, to Eretz Yisrael, to a connection to the land of Israel. And then he mentions Rutzvi Hirsch Kalisher and Rebbe Yahu Gutmacher and how they spearheaded this movement, this idea, to build up Yerushalayim, to, to take away the destruction that, that is there. And and he's talking about how exciting it is. Then he says, harbei, many harbei, many rabbis, neged, are standing on the side. They're not they're not doing anything. They're not encouraging it, they're not participating. And even those, he says, that in their heart would like to be involved in it, they cover their mouth because they're afraid of what might happen. And he says, they're also afraid, the rabbis who are against Zionism in the early 1900s, they're afraid of the three oaths, shvuot, shehishbia livnot Yerushalayim. And this is, uh, I think we've spoken about this before, this is based on the Gemara, in Ketubot Kuf Yud Aleph, based on the Midrash in Shir Hashirim Rabbah, on the Pasuk, in Shir Hashirim, Hishbati Etchem Benot Yerushalayim, the Gemara says, again, it's an Agadita in the Gemara, that the Jewish people were given an oath, took an oath, that they will not return to the land of Israel by force. Shalol Ya'alu Bachoma is the specific wording. And uh, many anti-Zionist rabbis and the Satmar to this very day say, well, that's binding, which is very unusual that an Agadita should be binding, but that's binding. We can't go back to Eretz Yisrael by, by force. The Or Sameach says, Omnam ka'et God, in his hashgacha, has brought it about. Asher tan sav asher Eretz Yisrael the follow-up to the Balfour Declaration, there were several follow-ups, but the major one was a conference in a city called San Remo, where it was codified, so to speak, and, and given to the British as a, it's called a mandate, but they were given a job, and, and you have the rules, and these are the regulations, and so forth, of establishing, helping establish this Jewish homeland in Palestine. So, so Rav Meir Simcha says, now that the world, through the Balfour Declaration, through the San Remo Conference, the world is now saying, yes, Eretz Yisrael, Tiel Am Yisrael, V'kevan Shesar Pachat HaShvuot, so we have no more fear from these Shvuot, because the, the oath that the Gemara talks about is one where we may not return to the land of Israel by force. But here it's not by force, it's this is with permission of the governments. Kama mitzvat yishuv Eretz Yisrael, the, the mitzvah of living in the land of Israel has, has arisen, has returned. Returns to its place, to its rightful place as a, as a, as a major mitzvah. It's, it's, uh, he goes on, it's, it's pretty amazing. He, he the Orsameach, sees this. that this is something amazing. And he even says that, can we be sure, maybe not, we don't have a Navi. He says, you know what? 
We don't know. We don't know God's ways. We're not going to ask about it. No matter how it is, no matter what will happen at the end, so he encourages now the people to go to Eretz Yisrael. Don't forget, this is amazing. This is the early 1900s when there was, oh, I can't say nothing, there were people living there. Obviously, there were towns, there were cities, but it wasn't even close to what we have now. That's one reaction. That's the reaction of the Or Sameach. The Chofetz Chaim, it says here, it quotes um, his grandson, I believe, or his son, that when the Chofetz Chaim heard about the Balfour Declaration, he saw it, Ke'en itaruta dela'ela, hit'orirut milamala, meaning the, the God's, God was answering our actions from below, which is hit'aruta dela'ata, and he was, he was helping us from above. He was hopeful that it was an eight ratzon, that this was the right uh, the right time. And um, my great grandfather, my mother's grandfather, Harav Ben Sion Meir Chayuziel, wrote to Dr. Weitzman, who was very instrumental in this. God gave you this amazing historic opportunity, and zchut. To bring about the De Balfour Declaration, Shehi Atchalta de Geula. It is the beginning of the Geula. So we see, we see how people reacted. Rav Cook reacted with amazing joy. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he made a Su'udat Hodaya. He made a special thank you celebration to God for this great. Moment, because it was a watershed. It was a turning point. It was the moment in which, not just the Jewish people said we have a right to the land of Israel, but the nations of the world acknowledged it and said, "Yes, you do. We agree, and we'll work on it with you." Now, it didn't turn out as great as we hoped because the British didn't do everything they promised, but. Um, but it did. It did change to a great extent the the trajectory, and as of that point on, we see with the British coming into the land of Israel and so forth, the movement toward a state, which eventually came about. What is that? Thirty years later or so. This was 1917. So um, it wasn't too long, right? 1917 to 1947. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing history. Um, it's a great, great moment here at the Israel Show to remind you that we're sponsored by Nevesh Benevesh. If the Or Sameach back in the 1800s says, go to Israel, then what should we say? We are sponsored by Nevesh Benevesh. Who helps you do it? They help you, they help you fulfill the mitzvah. They help you in many different ways, many resources, including financial resources for those who need it. And we encourage you to go onto their website, nbn, nefesh benefesh, nbn.org.il to see when they'll be in your neighborhood. You can go. They have sometimes mega aliyah fairs that you could go to and see and get impressed and get hopefully inspired. And um, even if you don't plan on making aliyah right away, as I always say, just go to their website and take a look. Know what your options are, what the opportunities are, and what they offer. It's... Um, it's very, very worthwhile, and they do amazing work. We are very proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. We'll go to music, and then we'll take the last piece of this story. The Palestinian Authority <laughs> decided that now would be a good time to sue Great Britain because the Balfour Declaration was illegal and really messed them up. And they want an apology, and I don't know what else. So we'll tell you about that. And even more importantly, what the American State Department, what was the State Department's reaction 
to uh, to the Palestinian Authority's request. Lirot uh, Ta'or, Efrat Gosh. It's old one, but it's really nice. See the light, see the good things in life. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. That goes back a little bit, not too long, a little bit. As we continue our um, discussion about the Balfour Declaration, we come to our times. And the uh, Arabs have decided, 99 years later, that all the trouble really began with the Balfour Declaration. That's where everything started. It's all their fault it's all the fault of the British and their Balfour Declaration. That's where all our problems began. And therefore, we want an apology from the British. And we want we want them, we're going to sue them. I don't know what they're asking for exactly, but we're going to sue them. The Palestinian Foreign Minister, Riyad Malki, says nearly a century has passed since the issuance of the Balfour Declaration. And based on this ill-omened promise, giving to those who are not deserving a land that does not belong to them, hundreds of thousands of Jews were moved from Europe and elsewhere to Palestine at the expense of our Palestinian people, whose parents and grandparents had lived thousands of years on the soil of their homeland. Okay, there's so much wrong with that statement, but we don't have the time now to go into it. It doesn't really matter. It, it basically says, we don't recognize history. It happened. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's true. It happened, but, but you know, come on. 
we, we don't really believe that it, it's right, and uh, we need to um, we need to undo this. That's what they want. And by the way, understand what is be- beneath all this. If the Palestinian Authority says we don't recognize the Balfour Declaration, it means we don't recognize any state of Israel. It's not about, quote-unquote, occupied territories. It's about the whole thing. It's about the basis of the whole thing. They don't agree that there should be any Jewish home home in Palestine, to quote the, the Declaration. There shouldn't be any national home for the Jews established. It really reveals a lot. Not that, well, some people weren't aware of it. Some people didn't think that way. Some people think, okay, two-state solution. They don't want a two-state solution. This is so obvious from this. They don't, they don't, they're not in on the Balfour Declaration. They're not in on the whole concept of a Jewish state. Which is why Benjamin Netanyahu is always insistent on the fact that the Palestinian Authority must say we acknowledge the right of the Jewish nation to have a state. Because they won't. I want to read to you something that I found. Again, quoting Ravuziel and um, my mother who's listening in on the show. This was her grandfather who she was very close to. So he writes about the, what we, I don't like using the word intifada, but I'm using it just because others do. This was like the earliest intifada. This was in the 1930s, in the 1920s and 1930s, when the Arabs just terrorized Jews, killing at random. And, and Ravuziel writes, This is a serious national revolt. The echoes of which will be heard throughout the Arab-Muslim world. Meaning he understood, Ravuziel did, that this isn't just some local gangs that were killing Jews, but that this was a big national movement. And he writes, We, the Jewish Yeshuv, we stand confronting We are going to have to confront this this um, strong national revolt. And then he writes, It is the, the British who are ruling now in Palestine in the, at this period. It is their obligation to understand that what, what happened was some of these were, there's always some excuse. You know how it works with the Arabs. They found something that's absolutely irrelevant and they say, oh, the Jews are doing this and then we got to go kill them. At the time, they, they put up, I think, a mechitza at the Kotel and the Arabs rioted that the Jews are about to destroy their mosques and uh, build a Beit HaMikdash. I mean, that's, that's how crazy it was. And England just fell for this crazy stupidity because they hated the Jews. So Ravuziel writes me Khovatashal Anglia Shetavin Kilimarota Ritzinim Berit Israel and Kol Kesher Makotel Marvi. It has nothing to do with the Western Wall, with the Kotel. Elahem Nogim Lehachrazat Balfour. The revolt is not because of the Western Wall or because of this or because I'll add or because of quote unquote occupation. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's because it goes back to the beginning, to the Balfour Declaration. And Ravuzil wrote this in the nineteen twenties and the nineteen thirties. And today we see how true it is. The Arabs want to annul the Balfour Declaration. They want to annul the whole basis upon which in, in the world, in the legal world, political world, I don't mean the religious world, but in the, in the world at large, the basis on which the, the uh, state of Israel uh, began and upon which the San Remo Conference, the UN, were, were built. So now at the State Department briefing, oh, our favorite, and I want to thank um, Michael Kramer for calling this to my attention. At the State Department briefing, the spokesperson is asked the following question. And finally, I want to ask you, today marks the 99th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration. I'm sure you're aware of the Balfour Declaration. I am. Which, you know, basically launched it. 
this thing into, you know, began this whole process and yeah. so on. You, you hear what he say? I, I interrupted him for the question for a second. Oh, about it basically launched it, it created all these problems, all these troubles, all started with the Balfour Declaration. Here we continue. And I wonder, you know, the Palestinians are going to sort of uh, demand that Britain apologizes for the Balfour Declaration. Will you support them in that effort? Will you support the Palestinians if they go to the UN to say that Britain must apologize for that and must do everything that it can to rectify the wrongs that have been inflicted on the Palestinians as a result? Okay, do you hear the question to the State Department? Does the State Department agree and support the concept of the Palestinian Authority that Great Britain must rectify the Balfour Declaration. They, they got to undo it, so to speak. Hey, guys, we recognize, the U.S. recognized the state of Israel in 1948, 11 minutes after the declaration. We're way beyond that, almost 70 years. What are you talking about? That would be a, a, a somewhat normal answer that the State Department would give. The Balfour Declaration is a piece of history. It is undeniable. And no, we're not, we're not condemning it. Oh, no, no, but the State Department, they never, oh, I'm telling you, they, they don't disappoint. Here's the answer of the State Department spokesperson. So a lover of history, I get the importance of history, but I'll tell you where we're focused is on the future here. Um, and this gets back to your first question about uh, you know, about settlement activity. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> well, we have to focus on the future, not on the past, and therefore we have to talk about settlements. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we want to see a path forward to a two-state solution, and the Secretary still believes that that path can be found. Um, but it requires leadership, and it requires a forward vision in the leadership uh, there. So we are very much wanting to look forward here uh, uh, to a, a meaningful two-state solution, and I think we're a little less interested in, uh, in proclamations about the past. Dingleheimer, don't you understand? They don't want a two-state solution. They want to get rid of the Balfour Declaration. They want to take away the whole basis of a national homeland for the Jewish people in what was then called Palestine in Eretz Israel. The guy's saying to you, we want to destroy Israel. What do you think? Oh, I think uh, we're against settlements and we need to work towards a two-state solution. Now, thank God for the, I think it's the AP reporter who's always right there. And he follows up basically saying, okay, but but just do, can you say something about the Balfour Declaration that you, you support it? Here he goes. Does the administration have a position on the Balfour Declaration? <laughs> Good, bad? Indifferent? I don't know. They send you don't know. Back I don't know if, if we've taken a position on the Balfour Declaration or the Treaty of Westphalia. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The State Department spokesperson says, I don't know if we've taken a position on the Balfour Declaration. 99 years later, 70 some years, a little under 70 years since the establishment of the state, there is a state of Israel. You're talking about the Balfour Declaration? Oh, my Lord. The political correctness is just beyond comprehension. Beyond, 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 beyond comprehension. Okay, we're running. I just, just crazy. Okay. Sometimes you think you're in an insane asylum. And sometimes we are. All right, we ran out of time, so but we covered this at least. We covered everything we wanted to on this. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know what to say anymore. If the State Department of the Obama administration can say, I don't know what our policy is about the Balfour Declaration, then what, 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 what expectations do we have from what Obama might, President Obama might do after the elections. I don't know, which I think is why Netanyahu is very concerned. Okay, we're going to end off with uh, what I thought was an appropriate song. The days that are up ahead that we still have to deal with, may they be good, may they be upright, may, be, may they bring us good news. Before we do that, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. 
We encourage you to continue to do so, like and comment and bring new people to like the page. We've hit 400. We're over 400 likes. It's facebook.com slash the Israel show. Later on, we'll post the uh, links to the songs that we played, plus a copy of the Balfour Declaration, a copy of Ramosha Feinstein's letter regarding voting and other things that we discussed. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network. Encore presentations of Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson and headlines with David Lichtenstein. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no, they're just running in a different race. Come on.